You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. In this world of turmoil, you're struggling to find energetic balance, and you panic because your spirituality is not where you desire it to be. Yet creating a powerful foundation of empowerment is what you know you can achieve. Hi, I am Martin Neal Campbell, author of the book Receiving the Gift We Give, which is available on Amazon eBooks and my website, receivingthegiftwegive.com. I invite you to uncover your power and greatly expand your energies by embracing your divine self. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self-love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy, and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your sovereign self. Welcome to Sovereign Self. I'm your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and you're too fabulously divine, and do I say this enough? Intuitive, <laughs> wondrous, and just, you know, fabulous people. And co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello to everyone, guys. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello. Yes, indeed. And we do love you listening in. I can't say enough how much I appreciate it. As always, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash sovereign self with your comments or anything you'd like to write about, and we'd love to hear from you. So on this program of Sovereign Self, I've called it Know You Are Divine. Mm. It's a concept that a lot of people are talking about these days, but a lot of people probably don't know quite what it means. And I'll go back to our ego. And our ego is often used to nourish what we call our personality, our somebody, who we are. But what is your personality and who you are? Is it what you do? Is it because you're a surgeon or an accountant or what have you? Is it what you own? Is it because you have a wonderful new car, a nice house, and a cottage or what have you? Is it your family? You might have a wonderful family. But is any of that your personality? And I would have to say, no, it is not. So who are you? That's an interesting question. When you look at your ego, quite often in our society, we push our ego to extremes to nourish who we think we should be, who people tell us we should be. You should be that famous person, or you should be the person that knows all this, or you should be that great person in the job. But none of that is your personality. Your personality is what you're doing with all that. As we always say on this program, coming from your heart center and coming from love is very important in our minds. It's our belief that it's probably number one out there. And you can push your ego to be heart-centered and to connect with source. It doesn't have to be, and it generally should not be, outward-centered. It should not be what you do, what you own, where you live, what nationality you are. It should be inward-centered. So you're moving into your heart-center. You're connecting with source. You're connecting with love. It is about going inwards and recognizing who you are and who you want to be. Much of what we talk about in many of our programs, moving to heart center. I don't know how many times we say it, but it must come up at least three times a program. But 
what is being heart-centered? And a lot of being heart-centered is who you are being and who you are intending to be. So it is your desire, it is your intent that has to go there. And are you being love? Do you have self-love? Are you aware? Do you have gratitude? Are you giving? Are you allowing? Do you have respect, responsibility, integrity? Moving towards wisdom with awareness and bringing it all together and you have grace. There's so many things we can put in saying that being heart-centered is usually demonstrated through all of those because that is who you are. Knowing you're divine is moving into heart center and knowing you're all those things. It is, in many essences, surrendering to divine love that will ultimately get you there. Sounds easy, but <laughs> you have to have the intention to open up to your self-source. Resistance, as always, and we've talked about uh, resistance on the last few programs a lot, and it'll come up again because it is a big thing. Do you know what? That's okay. Resistance will come up for everyone, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Do not look on it as a bad thing and walk away from it. Embrace it and recognize it's something that is holding you back from becoming that self-love, the love, still all of it. You are divine love. There is no doubt about it. To release into divine love, you can start little exercises like calling up, I am divine presence. Call up the divine light of the one to ask for healing. Focus on what you want. Ask for help because there is that aspect of asking for help. Recognize, as we've said many times in the last couple of programs, your dark shadow self and face it. Move into your heart. Recognize your judgments, your fears and victimization. And look at all the things that bring up all of your hates, your animosities, your revenge, your self-loathing, your unworthiness. Begin to recognize them, look at them, see where they're coming from, what first created them, why you don't want to look at them, even in a lot of cases. Recognize them all as being something that you just need to face and move into the light. You have to be cognizant, of them, and that's part of awareness and wisdom. The other question I'd ask is, as source, because you are source, what would you choose? Who do you want to be that you are not? Look at your emotions again, your anger, your hate, your revenge, your rage. What is the source of those? And what source do you want to move to if it's not those? And know that you are one with the divine, as is everyone else. So you have to recognize that in everyone else too, so you have to sort of get rid of those judgments that keep coming up on that. <laughs> at the moment, for me, I look on it as the only way you will keep moving towards being your sovereign self. And it's interesting that becoming more of your sovereign self all it does time and again, and you'll recognize it through this, is it brings you more freedom. It brings you freedom to do so much, to be who you wish, to have joy, to have happiness. And it also brings in creative energy so you can create what you wish. And to me, that is freedom. Ultimately, being your sovereign self is moving into that heart center, moving in to be one with the divine and knowing ultimate freedom in many ways. So that's the introduction. Does anyone want to throw off any comments on that? What about you, Karen? Any ideas? Oh, I've got lots of ideas. Oh. <laughs> Martin, I loved your introduction. I love the title of the show, Know You Are Divine. And I think a couple of things that struck me that I'd like to explore a little bit more is when you were talking about the ego and it's there to nourish our personality and push us to extremes and things like that. You actually mentioned a really key word for me, and that is demonstrate it. Mm -hmm. And I often 
think even for myself personally, I might feel something internally. I have to always constantly ask myself, am I demonstrating what I'm feeling or am I holding back? And what's holding me back? Because we listen to, you know, old acronyms or or not acronyms, old verbiage where it says walk the talk, that kind of thing. And how are you demonstrating it? And are you feeling really authentic through your demonstration of what it is you really want to be coming from your heart center? And I think I'd like to explore that a little bit. Yeah, and that's a key question. And it is who do you want to be? So if you truly look at this and know you want to be loved, you want to be aware, you want to have self-love, you want to have respect, integrity, wisdom, grace, all of those things. Whenever you recognize that you are not being that, Mm -hmm. you have to look at it and say, okay, why am I not being that? What's causing that? What's bringing it forward? Begin drilling down and digging deep into what's causing that. And it's usually fear. A fear of being unworthy or a fear of any of that, it all goes back to fear in many ways. Again, the judgment and victimization comes in. So there's something causing you to judge someone. There's something causing you to move to fear. And there's something causing you to feel like you're a victim. Quite often, that will move you away from being wisdom, grace, integrity, and self-love. You have to begin when that comes up and say, no, I want to be self-love. Why am I not? And then begin to look at it. And that's some of the hardest things we can Mm -hmm. do. Because we're so used to being something automatically and we make excuses as to why we are, that we have to step back and begin to say, okay, why am I making that excuse? And I think that's key, Martin. And I think when you talked, and that really resonated with me when you said to demonstrate, that gave me cause to ponder and say, okay, stop. This is where I want to go into that observation mode and say, what am I feeling? What am I observing? Mm -hmm. And become really aware Mm -hmm. And and recognize everything's going on, not to blame, not to blame myself, and not to blame others, but just to really observe, then become aware, and then move into that piece of of our journey that says, now, who do I desire to be? Yeah, and that's the intention part. Right. So, there is intention and before, actually, behavior, yes. Absolutely. So, it's always important to put out your intention that you want to open up to your heart center in all things and then recognize where it doesn't happen and then you can move through the rest yeah Mm -hmm. now to go back to your first question about identifying when is it that a person can begin to accept their own divinity and that is a huge question that for me you must have at least done a bit of soul searching before you can even become prepared to even entertain that question of mm-hmm. being self of being self-sovereign and embracing the divinity that you are god remember it was shirley mclean who had done a movie called out on a limb mm-hmm. and i remember there's a scene there where she's standing on the beach or at the edge of the ocean i believe and she is looking up at the sky and she's throwing her arms wide open embracing the entire heavens in acknowledgement and she shouts out i am god and i thought oh what a powerful statement that is mm-hmm. yes but it's amazing how many people took her to task over that statement mm-hmm. oh that's impossible you're a lowly thing just read the bible the bible will tell you that you're a sinner how can you be god and be a sinner that's not possible you're not but there's no way that you could possibly be god now in the past i have stated that 
to keep it simple, there are three levels of self-awareness. There is the awareness of being unconditionally unconscious, I mean, unconsciously unconscious, sorry about that. This is where most people are still today. Then there is the unconsciously conscious. These are the majority of us right now who are recognizing that, yes, there is more to me than what society and religion dictates. Uh, There is a divinity that I can understand intellectually that I am a part of God. I don't completely feel it just yet, but I'm working towards that. And then there is the, the very few people who are completely awake, have done the work of uncovering all of their hidden aspects, and are completely consciously conscious. Very few are there. So the majority of us still are in that range of consciously unconscious. We are exploring the fact that, yes, we are God, at least that intellectually seems right, but then how do I feel that as well? And this is where I was talking over the last couple of weeks with regards to what love truly is in the heart. And as I said in the last program, I think, it is a balance between the, the positive frequencies of spirit in the higher dimensions and the emotion, which is unfortunately been labeled a negative, a negative balance in it. And this is where a lot of people think that a females as well as emotions are to be avoided. We live in a patriarchal society which has raped the whole female gender over the coals, and they've been trying to struggle with being termed negative ever since. It's not negative. That's simply the opposite of it's a polarity situation. It has nothing to do with people. <laughs> it is not evil. It is just a polarity situation. And it's just as holy as everything else is. And this is where, as I said, you need both the light of spirit and the emotion of will to balance in the heart. And this is what will produce what I have come to understand through the freedom teachings as the love of creator, which they have termed as the lavas, which to me almost sounds like molten metal type of thing. But the lavas is what is the purest love that is created in the heart of God. Then it gets downstepped through the various levels from spirit to the dark matter body, to the light body, uh, the inner light body, the outer light body, and then finally to the physical form. So it goes through all of these stages. And as it goes through all of these stages, the quantity or the expression of love breaks down so that it's more palpable to those who are in personalities at the lowest of the time matrix down in this dimension. What we end up beginning to express as love within the heart are, in essence, fragments of the lavas that were originally created as love in the heart of God. And this is where it has to grow. Many people love to coin that phrase, unconditional love. Mm. And it's a wonderful template. And I tell people, yes, but a lot of people believe they're being unconditional when, in fact, they're still holding quite a few judgments. And if you hold any kind of a judgment at all, this is what unconditional love is, being able to love with no conditions, absolutely no conditions. So if you have any kind of a judgment that says somebody's done something wrong and therefore they're not worthy of your love, you are not loving unconditionally. This you are loving conditionally, which isn't bad, but it still is not the totality of what you're capable of right well and that's the key there is resistance there are things we all have to go through and all of that's okay that's Mm -hmm. where we all are so it i shouldn't say all that's where most of us yes 
one of the things I was going to say on that is that I've never liked the term unconditional love. I don't like putting any conditions, whether unconditional or not, around love. I like using the term divine love because it's the source of all love, just love. But the term unconditional love began to educate people that to move up what they were calling love was mm. truly not love. It was counterfeit love. It was not an authentic love because mm. they were. it was conditional. I will love you if you do this. Yes. Or I, there was always a condition attached to their love. There's no attachment to love. Right. The thing of it is, is that it has to also have the intelligence, intelligence of spirit because the intelligence of spirit knows that there is no such thing as a judgment or that there is anything called doing anything wrong. There is nothing wrong. It all depends on what your current core belief system is having you do. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, in relationships, and you see it a lot, where people will say one to the other in a relationship, well, you don't love me because you don't do this. Yes. I uh, beg your pardon? I have to do something to... To earn your love. To earn yeah. your love, like, yeah. And I'm going, really? <laughs> and that's that's what so many people do on so many levels, though. Mm-hmm. This is counterfeit love. This yeah. is conditional conditional love. Exactly. You know? And it may have had its place 40, 50 years, 100 years ago, mm-hmm. when there was no possible way the human race could even have considered unconditional love or love with no judgment. That would not have even been a thought in anybody's mind back then. No. So conditional love was the best that we could do back then. Yes. But we are at a point now in our state of evolution that to truly embrace unconditional love or Martin, what you would prefer to call simply divine love, which is God love or yeah, creator exactly. love or source love. Or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just hope that the term unconditional love would be like a stepping stone to at least introduce them to the fact that, is my love conditional? Yes. Am I asking mm-hmm. somebody to do something before I will grant them love? Mm-hmm. And I think that some of this dialogue that we're having, I really, I'm really enjoying. One of the things that comes to mind when you talk about things like divine love versus the connotation of unconditional love, it makes me wonder if I think back to our thoughts create our actions or create our words, create our actions. Mm-hmm. I often find that in, the, in, in our language, we are finding ways to take things that are, as you said, Ron, conditional mm-hmm. or rules or the way it used to be. And then we put like little words in front of them that make it undone. Mm. And are there ways that we can create more positive energy throughout the universe that why can we not put it in the positive to begin with? And I think back to when we raise our children and we say, don't cross the road without looking before you leap. Instead of saying, look before you leap and then cross the road. We, we put that kind of negative before that word. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what kind of vibration is that sending out? Well, we still think that we need to teach through fear. Yes, exactly. Right. We will get better results with fear mm-hmm. than we will get with love. So we, we think of terms of don't, undo, mm-hmm. re, all yeah. of those kind of things that the words that rather than coming to more positive thinking, and I think that's where when you talk about divine love, there's no undivine, there's no pre-divine. It is just quite simply divine love. Yeah, source of all love. Divine love to me also in, indicates an intelligence to the love. When I've spoken to some people who I've tried to get 
to introduce this very topic to them. Mm -hmm. And they feel they're not yet ready to give up teaching through fear as being the best way to teach and get the best results. When they think that they can teach through love itself, they think that it's lame and that it's not going to go anywhere and that it has no potency. And that is so completely wrong. It is Love is far more powerful than fear. Yes. And in fact, I think we've mentioned this in the in the program before, when you get two people who are together or two or more people gathered together in fear, it's only additional. However, yeah. when you get two or more people gathered in love, it's exponential. Yes. This exactly. is the power that's generated through divine love. For yeah. sure. And, and most people still don't understand that yet. No. And it goes to the heart of the theme of the program. Know you are divine. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe the premise I should put out there from my belief. We are one with God. God is the creator of all. God is all, or source is all, or you know, whatever you want to call. Creator is all. God is all. I'll use that term because I like it. You don't have to. But, but if God is all, and God is the Alpha and the Omega, and God is the source of love, then we are part of God because God is everything. Amen. So if we're part of God, then why are we not connecting to that part of us that connects to God more fully? That's what we're really getting at here. A lot of it is, it's, it sounds simple, but surrender to your divinity, your love. And that's what you ultimately have to get to. Mm -hmm. The one thing I didn't say, and that's why I wanted to bring it up, is part of the premise here is that we are integral and part of God. There is no separation. There is no part of us that is separate from God. We are a part of God. It's sort of like our finger is a part of us. We are a part of God. And that's the, the sort of the premise as to why this works if you believe and want to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. To get back to my Shirley MacLaine story, mm -hmm. when she was on that beach and she spread her arms wide and shouted, I am God, that was only her initial first tiny step towards understanding what that meant. Oh, yeah. It, it told the universe, I am ready now to begin the journey into deeply understanding what that truly means. I'm open. I'm That's open. That's right. Yeah. So th that is only simply the first step is acknowledging your divinity. Then to know it and to cognate it and to feel it deeply within the heart, mm -hmm. you need to balance all of your experiences, all of your thought patterns, all of your judgments have to be looked at. And originally, we were talking today about the ego. The ego is just as divine as anything else. There are some spiritual teachings out there that think that on the road to becoming spiritual, that you must annihilate or kill the ego. And that is completely false, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. You have to, as I said at the beginning, your ego has been nourished and, and moved to be your personality, and it's everything outside of you that's of value. Mm -hmm. and what we're saying is move it more to your source heart center yes. and shift your ego. It's not, you don't get rid of your ego, you shift it to be working for you. Yes, and the ego, the ego, what we have done with our poor egos, people, oh, the yeah. ego has been given way, way, way too much power. It's it's like telling the ego, okay, I want you to go and get the mail. And that, you know, that's that's okay. But then we told the ego, now, I want you to open the mail. I want you to read the mail. Then I want you to tell me what course of action you should take. And that is inappropriate for what the ego is supposed to be used for. Mm -hmm. the, the ego is there to, to clearly define the boundaries between you and the rest of the universe. It is the part of you that says, I am me and this cat is the cat. I am not, even though oneness would say we are all one, 
if you didn't have an ego, you would be lost and there would be no differentiation between you and the cat and all meaning would completely vanish. So the ego has a purpose at this end of the time matrix and that is for individuation understanding. I know you and said yet, that before. It's great. Thank and you. yet the ego is not separate from us. No, no it's no. a part it's a the part ego of us. It was part of us. Yeah. But this is where the retraining of the ego. As I said, there were spiritual spiritual paradigms that would say death of the ego is a necessity, and that is incorrect. What needs to happen is a re-education of the ego. If you begin to assist the ego in re-educating its purpose in your complete gestalt identity. Mm. It will naturally evolve with the rest of yourself, with your emotions, yeah. your spirit, everything else that is evolving. Yeah. It needs to evolve along with that. As a simple example, when you are giving or you have kindness towards people, the thrill of that, the feeling of being loving and doing something, mm -hmm. that boost is, is really a boost from your ego going wonderful. And the more you can move it that way, you can you know, use I it to help bolster all of that and help you. You know, I'm not entirely certain that, to me, that would be the beginning expressions of the feeling of love in the heart. It is, but you can tie it to your ego and your mind and well, make them all ego, one if, in that sense. Yeah, maybe. For me, any feelings of love is generated in the heart, as the, the ego can have an influence in that, in the sense that, it, for me, it would also be very, very much tied to the denied will aspects of ourselves. Because a lot of times, whenever somebody triggers you, for instance, and you fly off in a rage, this is your ego's response to the limitations in the belief system it has and the expectations that we are telling it it must adhere to. We're telling the ego, you have to love, but there's a part of the denied aspects of will that the ego is recognizing and is, is saying, no, but, but, but I'm, I'm hurting here and, and wants to lash out. Yeah, but you can move it to get past that. Mm -hmm. yes. That's what I'm saying. Once you move it to get past that, it will find joy in that connection with heart center too. And it will feel the power that's of that. Possible. Yes, that's possible. Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. I just, I, for me, ego was always a mind aspect for my understanding, yeah. and that its distorted mind structure, the uh, the ego's mind itself, or that part of our mind that we have termed ego, is distorting what kind of emotions that are being felt in the heart. Right, but that's why we talked last program, I think, about doing the whole heart-mind connection, because your heart should really rule the mind in many ways, except for maybe... Uh, instant things about self-preservation like burning your finger and running from fire and that type of thing but mm -hmm. your heart mind connection for your reason thinking emotional mm -hmm. would ultimately be interesting total yeah. connection yeah mm -hmm. i can yeah. see that yeah. yeah to me it's like puzzle pieces mm -hmm. and there are three and you bring them in together that's what creates that divine love martin that you yeah. talked about at the top of the hour and there are always pieces that are struggling against one another or, and or not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we create it because we are co-creators with God. Mm -hmm. So we are allowing, in many ways, this push-pull in our environment today and where we live in the space and time. Mm -hmm. But I actually see the three as being very, very much connected. Interconnected, yes. Yeah, and it's about cementing that together and giving the latitude so it's as you said ron it's about looking at that shadow aspect mm -hmm. it's, and martin it's about 
you know, feeling from the, the divine love and that heart center. Oftentimes, I think that most of us, I know I can only speak for myself, but sometimes when I feel really heart-centered, all of a sudden, all these other little voices come into my head. What will people think? Is that too emotional? That's ego. And then I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it has a place to keep you in connectivity. I think you don't get mm-hmm. one without the other. Those questions are a reflection of what the ego's core belief systems is. Absolutely. Which, and it doesn't believe it's sovereign. It doesn't believe it's holy. It's, in fact, it feels that it's a sinner. Yeah. But that is why I always say I believe that the heart, connecting with the mind, the heart is the center mm. that should run things. I think we're, we, many people, even most spiritual people, are underrating the importance and the capabilities of what the heart can do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the center, and we've made the mind the center, which is the problem mm-hmm. in many ways. So mm-hmm. we have to change mm-hmm. our centeredness. Mm-hmm. And that's why we keep saying going to our heart center is really what we mean by saying that. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure, the center is, a, is about old paradigms. Mm-hmm. It's about old rules, regulations, thoughts. It's about combining those together, and they can work cumulatively together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, because yeah, Sorry, go ahead, Ron. I was I was just going to say, and as I've said, for me, the love within the heart is a combination of spirit and and the light, and understanding and intelligence, and the emotion of will combined together to balance in the heart. Yes, this is what produces that divine love and allows. It doesn't necessarily produces it. It is the center through which pure love from Creator can emanate from. Yes, and it's when you open up that center and balance the emotions with the with the spirit in the heart, it provides the opening where true love can be can come forward. And when you can feel true love, believe me, you will know it. It is an amazing thing that it's like I never want to leave this space ever again. And that exactly goes to the title of the program. That's how you begin to know you are divine. Mm-hmm. Because without that connection and going there, that connection probably cements it more firmly in that moment Mm -hmm. than virtually anything else we do. (laughs) (laughs) And and the one thing, the more you tackle the shadow self, and I'm not saying beat it into submission because obviously that doesn't work. It requires acceptance and it requires enough love to allow it to express its needs. And those needs a lot of times will be very distorted because we've suppressed it for so long. And this is where the true love will then balance more, even more profoundly in, in the heart center. And this is where also where intuition will begin to be allowed into your being. If you notice people who are very judgmental and very hard and you can see they're on the on the verge of cracking, these types of people rarely trust or even embrace intuition. This is something that they just don't do. They go totally to the mind. Yes. But yeah. the interesting thing about the mind is the mind only stores all your past experiences and what you've seen her mm-hmm. felt and yes. whatever. It does exactly. not give you that openness And I'll put another story in. When people, like when they discovered the light bulb originally, apparently there was three or four different people at virtually the same time that discovered the light bulb around the world. Mm -hmm. They they never even connected with each other. They never even talked to each other. This is the intuition and open to divinity and asking for that help and working on it and opening up to your intuition and everything that lets people hit those aha moments. Mm -hmm. Your mind doesn't create them. Your mind is part of a conduit for putting things together in, a, in some sort of 
sense. But that intuition, that breakthrough, comes from the heart and connecting to universal it, consciousness. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. felt in the heart. It can be sometimes understood partially by the mind, right? but it is felt in the heart, in the wisdom and the true light of the heart. Because the heart is the organ, I, as Martin said, and I said last week, the heart is the true organ in the body that is the center of your being. Yes. And it is, it is your ultimate mind, your higher mind, let's right. say. Your mental platforms in the light body, you have, the, you have the mind here. And in the fifth dimension, you would have your soul, which is an aspect of mind in the fifth dimension. Then you have the oversoul, which is an aspect of mind again in the third, in the third harmonic universe. So you've got all these platforms of mind mm -hmm. that is expressed in what's called the light body structure of our form. It's been stated before that if ever you were to choose between your soul and spirit, you better choose spirit every time. Soul, as Martin has said, doesn't necessarily mean that it is the heart or the understanding of God. It is just an intellectual understanding. It may not have any heart. Right. And it's your connection to the divine that needs to get you there, which is heart. That's right. So the heart, I think, has a direct conduit or direct connection to your spirit body. Mm -hmm. And as I said before, if you have to choose between your soul and your spirit body, choose your spirit body every time. Yeah. And yet, how many times are we told to select the soul? Well, see, <laughs> in our earlier programs, I remember stating the very same thing, that intuition was very much directly connected to the soul understanding. And I've since begun to expand on that and begun to realize that, no, it is not necessarily the soul that is producing these wonderful aha moments that are felt in the heart. It is my connection to my spirit self. There is awareness, allowing, and wisdom coming out. Yes. We change every year, every month, yes. every day. Yes. We change on the drop of something, and it just amazes us. Our whole yes. view of the world changes. And that's why I tell our audience, what we say today is probably going to change tomorrow. Yeah, don't go back and listen to three-year-old programs. <laughs> I, I think that we have not evolved from that from that last program or that, from those programs because we have. Yes, exactly. Thank, Thank God. goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. A, what do you say? It's a forever expansion from the heart. That forever endeavor Never. from yeah, yeah, ever. yeah yes because that brings in the intent yes and the desire to continue to expand yes, in our exactly. awareness of being who we are which is God in, yeah. in physical mm -hmm. form exactly so that's excellent I like that thank you for getting that correct because I knew there was a word in there I was missing that had a big connotation so thank <laughs> you I've heard it a thousand times and do I forget it sometimes yes mm. uh, and that's a big difference too because most people still especially even in the new age and people who are exploring outside of religious thought they still are confused with regards to what the soul is what the oversoul the avatar self the rishi self these these platforms of mind mm is what they are in these various densities. And you have them, but they can also be distorted, just like your mind here can be distorted if it is not influenced by the love that is felt in the heart, the wisdom of the heart. Yes. You know, it's interesting when we talk about heart and mind. I mean, there's people can look at our, I mean, the Heart Math Foundation, <laughs> the research they've done to show how powerful the heart is, and, and mm. it's more powerful than the brain in many, many ways and puts out a field that connects us all through our center of love. It's amazing work that's scientifically backed up. It's peer-reviewed. It's yep. not someone just making up stuff. This is 
serious work done by people who want to understand who we are and our energy and, and how we're made up. And without them, we probably would never have discovered that our heart has so many neurons like the brain and actually puts out an electrical field 300 times greater. You know what I find interesting, too, is even within the Catholic faith and the Catholic religion, when you look at the old paintings of Jesus, many of them, he's pointing to his heart, indicating people, this is the pathway home. He's not pointing to his head where, you know, most scientists think that your consciousness, yeah. <laughs> you know, is or resides or that your mind resides. No, he's pointing to the heart. This is the important center within the human body, and this is your doorway home. Yes, and I think I've said it before, but it even it says it in the Bible. Jesus, I think, was asked at one point, where is heaven? And he pointed to his heart. He says, mm -hmm. heaven is in your heart. He's done it deliberately, but obviously it's come through on a lot of paintings and other things. But it's oddly enough something that people leave out when they talk about heaven. They keep looking up and we're going to go up there and all that. And yet, mm -hmm. he said, no, it's in the heart. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to take a little while. People are beginning to embrace science. Science is a relatively new thing with the human race, with, yeah. with to the current state of our human race. Yeah. It's only how many hundreds of years now, Martin, would oh, you say? Right. It's really about 150 since pure yeah. science came in. Yeah. So with that, people who are beginning to explore spiritually outside the box are still looking to science to see if science can pull in anything with regards to adding to their bulk of knowledge of what it means to be spiritual. So th there's still this gap between their understanding of spirit and what science can uh, allude to, and they're still both sort of at, at, are at war with each other. I like Greg Braden. Yes. He mixes the two together. And yes. He said the big mistake of science is they put out a hypothesis that is not true and they try and prove it. He mm -hmm. says, and yet the good scientists looks at the evidence and takes it moves them to where they should go but so often we say oh no you know the heart's only this and i'll prove it by doing this but you're trying to just prove something you want to make up and, and and prove to be so as opposed to looking at it and going what is it and measuring everything and oh my god it's more than i ever thought it was they hmm. don't go that and I'm, I just wonder how how often science who believe in the fee, in the unity of everything, you mm -hmm. know, and they they espouse, yet they're still shy of saying this oneness, this unity in everything is actually God. They still will shy from that. They won't they won't go that far. Yes. Um, there's still many scientists who, although they're looking for the law of one and an understanding scientifically, they still won't acknowledge the divinity of it. No, and don't forget though that in our schools still. You go to university and you're studying sciences, whatever, like I do. Oh, yeah. They, they tell you to memorize things. This yeah. is what it is. You memorize it, and that's what you should believe. Mm -hmm. They're not leaving you open to explore and go, but what if? Mm -hmm. um, and they're just making you be very closed-minded. So our whole education system is about Thank being closed-minded. They've completely stifled the creative process in their endeavors at, at telling you to memorize. And this is where like intuition can be so useful. It will provide answers where memorizing facts will never lead you down. You know, it's funny. A company I used to work for, I thought I'd get flack for it. But they asked me why I didn't go to a program that looked like it was profitable, many millions of dollars and everything else. And I said, my intuition told me to stay away. And they accepted that, which shocked me. But I was glad they did because, as it turned out, the other people who took it lost a fortune. It's true. I trust my intuition. 
when I'm working on I smile when you say that because there is a part of them that begins to recognize that hmm, there is something to intuition, but oh, I'm not going to yet completely go towards that, A, because I'm going to look foolish in other people's eyes, or B, well, intuition might work only might maybe 3% of the time, but at least they're beginning to embrace the concept of the power of intuition. Yes, and it comes up every once in a while, but it's certainly not used to the point it should be. No, Everyone wants yeah. to go to the spreadsheets and the facts and figures and everything else, and they're not it's getting the safe. full story. It's safe. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't give the full story by any means. Oh, no, it gives it, it gives you like maybe 0.01% of the entire story. Mm-hmm. But there's a huge amount of other stuff that can only be accessed through development at our stage, through development of the intuition. Karen. And this is a great conversation. I actually think that as I look towards some of the research that's going on today, mm-hmm. and I think probably more of the young minds, not ah. not the minds that have been around for gajillion mm-hmm. years, yep. but they're starting to question that status quo. Yes. And they're starting to look at what does this look like? I mean, I, I've even seen in my own life having connection with people that are doing some research, looking at, are we just trying to say the same paradigm? Mm -hmm. Are we just trying to prove or are we trying to disprove or are we trying to expand? Mm -hmm. And I think that this new generation that we are actually faced with today, they're actually looking to expand. And I'm seeing some pushback, which I'm very excited about, where they're saying, as we research this, and we see it every day, more and more, we've seen it with a lot of the exposures, saying, okay, we've done this research, and now we know it to be true. It's about finding the platform to say, how do we move it forward to create change? Mm-hmm. Well, I see that, yes, and I see that in younger people. But unfortunately, I also see in a lot of younger people that they jump at anything. Oh, that looks exciting. Let's do that. Oh, no, let's change it to this because I like that. No, oh, let's change it. So they I never, they don't settle in. No, I wouldn't want to temper that enthusiasm, but maybe give it some guidance. Yeah. It's this generation and the, possibly the generation after that will produce the kinds of leaps that human evolution is going to be required in order to make it into the new paradigm. Yeah. So the more we can teach our children not to be restrictive, not to go through memorizing things, to be mm-hmm. more creative, to be intuitive, and to begin to trust that, that some of the some of the things that they will lead us into will be amazing. Will the children are our future. Yeah. If we don't prepare them properly, they will not be the ones that will make that leap that yeah. humanity will needs to make in order to continue surviving. Yeah, I like the leaps they take, and I like the way they look at things differently. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm saying there for a lot of them, what I see is there's a lack of wisdom. True enough. Th- these are people who are being raised by fathers and mothers who are doing the best that they can, but they're teaching from their own limitations and they're necessarily going to pass those on. Yeah, It's like, I would not want to stifle their creativity, no, but no, no. I, and I agree. What they do need, however, is some guidance in, in setting a direction type of thing. Right, without 
putting in the boundaries that they used to bring in that just stifle everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of these misdirections and, and whatnot, are, they are already being laden. The moment they're born, they're being given the problems, not only genetically, mm. but societally from their parents and whatnot, up right up until that, that first age of 11, when they should be integrating soul awareness. They are so emotionally stunted at that point. This is one of the reasons why parents don't understand some of the turmoil that teenagehood teenagers they go through their hormones are changing everything is changing and yet they're also dealing with all of these restrictions mm-hmm. that to them feel it's it's not right it's not wrong and you're right Karen they're rebelling in some ways and in their rebellion yes they made some some unwise decisions but is as long as they're being taught yes you made a, an unwise decision but you see you made the decision yourself so you have also the power to be able to change whatever outcome you want yeah it's interesting that it is through most generations when they get into the teen years rebel against a lot mm-hmm. of what their parents offered and said that's right and that's there for a good reason but mm-hmm. i find it interesting that most parents forget that they went through it and remember yeah. what it was. And they I don't know whether they just deliberately put it aside or it's something to do with I don't I, know. they probably don't they may not even remember, but I'm sure they rebelled against their parents at that age as well. Oh, they all do. Oh probably. Yeah. Every I, generation I think, does. I think though that as we move through this journey, I actually believe, uh, naive as it might be, I actually think that we have produced a generation that is mixed as we have produced generations for hundreds of years mm-hmm. that are mixed at all different levels. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that some of, not all, but I, I do believe that there is a generation here before us and the generation, as you said, Ron, that will follow us mm-hmm. that are exploring things that are a little outside the usual thinking. Oh, yeah, and they're now looking at, you know, I mean, there was a time when I believe we did experiment for experiment's sake. Can we find a cure? Can we find out how this works? Let's just experiment. Now I'm seeing a group of people that look at it and say, what's the moral responsibility mm-hmm. of when we put people into test protocols? So if you think about cancer protocols, for example, yeah. how do we engage people? Because we, we still need people to engage in these experiments in order, at least as far as I know it to be. And let me step back. I'm not sure we need all this experimentation. But where I'm going with this is the mindset of I'm not just experimenting for experiment's sake, but I'm actually morally being more responsible mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. what is it I'm putting upon these people who may actually be ill. Yes, and it's a different outlook, different angle of looking at it. Yeah. And even there, I think our children are expressing, we see the light of intelligence even at the age of five and six. Mm-hmm. We look at our children today and they seem far more aware than what we remember even 10 to 15 years ago when we looked at you know children that same age. So we are seeing an evolution in consciousness and that is taking root in our children. Yeah. Today, our children think globally where before you, you'd be lucky to get them to think just outside their city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're coming up with ways to clean the oceans, for instance. And right. some yeah. of the things that these children are coming up with is like, oh, my heart sings when I see that. Mm-hmm. Well, and- part, of, part of my perplexing thought process there as I was talking was that 
from my perspective, I think that there's a lot of things that if we come from our heart center and we actually deal with the demons, deal with the shadows, mm-hmm. deal with what's happening within us and our co-creator, mm-hmm. we will find the solutions to everything. Mm-hmm. Not to stop the value oh, of I think yes. Western to, medicine. Yes, right? or, or, or to make it our children's responsibility to clean up our mess. We can hope that they will be there to join with us as we collectively all pitch in to clean up the mess, but not to make it our children's responsibility. Right. I think I agree with you, Karen, in the sense that there is always that 5% of every generation who are naturally, just by the way we're spiritually evolving, that much further ahead than the right. best 5% of the former generation generally. Mm-hmm. And it's always expanding so that right. we will always get a group that can take us one step further if we listen. And I'm hoping that our listeners, upon hearing that, it, because I completely agree with you, there will be people who appear far more spiritually advanced than others, that somehow they're better than. No, 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 no. No, has no, Everybody, no. everybody has, a, has a place. God sees everyone as equal value. Mm-hmm. And that's right. how we must treat everyone. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting if, if you're looking and saying somebody else is more spiritually advanced, your time will come where someone else will look at you and say and think the same thing. So there is no better than or there's no need for divisiveness. Exactly. And I'm not suggesting we throw away Western medicine or Western testing no. or anything like that. That's no. not my suggestion. However, my firm belief is as we move down this path to our, our pure sovereign self, there will be potentially at some point in time not the need for the intervention. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, with the sovereign self, your Garrett, how do I put this? Your immune system is your belief system itself. Right. With the proper system, you don't need anything external to yourself. You will always be creating what is most appropriate in the moment. Right. And you won't need, so this is what I'm saying, if you have a consciousness that still believes that Western medicine is good and you're exploring alternative forms of medicine, don't throw the baby out with the bath and go to the alternative medicine when you still have an inkling or a small belief that Western medicine is still valuable because it may be in pursuing that belief that it saves your life. Mm-hmm. And it sends you to the next piece in your path on your journey. Mm-hmm. Yep. The only time that a belief in understanding in alternative medicine will work is if you completely and firmly believe that that is what's going to work. Right. And, and you no longer believe that Western medicine has any value whatsoever. The shift from one to the other can happen. Sometimes you hear these miracle cures, but that's not going to be for 98% of the rest of the human population who doesn't go through a near-death experience that will completely alter their complete core belief system in overnight. Exactly. That's very, very rare. Hardly ever happens. No, that's true. And you're right. It's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. You have to go with what your beliefs are. Yes, and, and you have to gradually change your beliefs, mm-hmm. having to upgrade. Okay, this belief I no longer work on. Uh, this belief, yeah, maybe I still believe in it a little bit. Okay, well, then you still have more work to do if you want to resolve any limitations that that belief pattern might have in order to release it into the unconditional aspects of yourself. Right. What's that? And it doesn't happen overnight. There is a lot of work that needs to be done. It's not going to happen when I wake up tomorrow morning? No, Mark, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, honey. (laughs) If you wake up with a sore throat tomorrow, you can't say sore throat be gone. You are not part of Bewitched. 
Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that that's an absolute, absolute impossibility. No, exactly. But it's not a probability. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying it's, yeah, it, it's not that it can't happen, but... Probably won't happen. It may or may not. And yes, people right. have to make the choice for themselves. What I, I think where I was going with this is that we are making huge strides and people starting to understand and programs like this and many others are starting to, I hope, get the dialogue going about how we can co-create together in oneness, coming from our heart center. And as we move towards that and we move towards that aspect of ourselves, co-creating with God, this will eventually dissipate. Do I know when? Absolutely not. Divine right time. Most people love a good surprise when it's pleasant. So there's a part of us that will probably say, no, don't tell me just everything yet. I I like a good surprise. However, having said that, I do believe there are things that we can do that can overcome certain ailments and certain mind blocks that we have. And we we talk about that every week in every show. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to do the work. It doesn't, it's not like you can say, oh, gee, I'm so believing. I so want to be there. Therefore, it is. It's mm-hmm. not how it works. No. There's idea- work to be done. You have to recognize the, the demon self and the shadow self. Yes. For me, consciously conscious simply means uncovering all of the judgments and all the dark shadow and understanding and seeing it for what it is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know everything that God knows. We obviously enjoy a good surprise, you know? Mm -hmm. So we, once we are fully conscious, it doesn't mean that we will sit there in samadhi and experience complete bliss. We're still going to be wanting to create, but the difference is we'll be creating from all of ourselves rather than just the part of ourselves that today we deem only acceptable. And from your heart center. Absolutely, yes. Now, it's interesting, and I was going to bring this up. We are part of the Law of Attraction radio network, and they do have a cruise coming up in February Ah, 2013, which will have many fabulous speakers uh, talking about multiple things. And if you are interested, you can go to Law of Attraction radio network and look it up, and there's plenty of time to onto the cruise and yes i will be on the cruise talking about knowing you are divine that'll be my main topic Woo-hoo! and yourself martin <laughs> but if you're interested there's going to be some fabulous speakers and it'll be a whole fun time so mm-hmm. yeah look it up and it's going to be fun awesome wonderful wonderful and we are not quite but we're getting there we're down to our last three minutes. My goodness, where does the time go? Oh, I know. It does. It, 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 when you're not aware of it, it's it's like it flies by. But when you focus on it, like like a pot waiting to boil, it never it never ends. <laughs> it, it goes forever. So, if I may, I might like to take a, a few moments just to thank our wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of activity on our Facebook page, and we are truly thankful for that your engagement is amazing we've had some amazing conversations online and in some cases on the on the telephone talking with our listeners and really having an opportunity to connect with you and we so value the feedback that you provide to us so Mm -hmm. thank you so much this program was about knowing that you are divine We understand it is a very hard thing to grasp 
because we have been taught the opposite of that all of our lives. We talk a lot about going to our heart center. And as I said in the introduction, the heart center is connecting with love, self-love, awareness, gratitude, allowing respect, responsibility, integrity, wisdom, and grace. Because your heart center is connecting to divinity. And the object of connecting to divinity and surrendering to divine love is that it gives you an opportunity to open up more fully to your self-source. And once you're in line with source, there is really nothing that cannot be done. Source will look after you. Source will allow you to recognize your shadow self, face it, and when you ask for help, your source will help you in getting to your desired outcomes. And the question there is, who do you want to be that you are not? Look at who you are. Look at the things about yourself that you're not fond of. So if you have anger or hate or revenge or rage or prejudice or judgment or jealousy, what is it about those things that when you look at them, you like or don't like? And if you decide that you do not like them, this is the opportunity to be able to examine each, see where they're coming from, face them, work through your shadow self, and you can do that while working with the divine, as long as your intent is that you want to work with the divine and you actually action yourself to keep saying that and asking for that. And it does go back to love. And in many ways, love in action will help you get there, whether that's kindness, paying it forward, loving yourself, allowing, having respect for everyone, having understanding and unity. All of those things will automatically move you into the heart because they are heart and love-created endeavors. So please take a look at that. See if it works for you. See if any of that resonates with you. And work through it at your own pace. Work through it as you wish. And you will be surprised at how much it will help you get to where you desire to be and to whom you wish to be. Know you are divine. And from your heart center, it is something that we believe is certainly very important to explore from our perspective. And it will help you move more towards becoming your sovereign self. And I also thank you for listening in this week. And I hope you have a absolutely fabulous week. And for me, just have a wonderful week. Express from the heart and see what kind of joy you can create this week. Oh, indeed. Have a fabulous week, folks. Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.